This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. I'm proud to note that in our second and third segments today, we'll be speaking with author Margaret Talbot, as we hoped we would. Her book, The Entertainer, Movies, Magic, and My Father's 20th Century, is one hell of a good read. And we're very much looking forward to discussing it. Author Karen Abbott said, Some people are born storytellers. Some people are born with a story to tell. Margaret Talbot is both. The Entertainer is a gorgeously detailed and relentlessly inventive portrait of her father's adventures in 1930s Hollywood and on the home front. We do want to again thank Aaron Frankel for the great work he's done supporting us for the past couple quarters. At this point, I think we'll start the show as we like to do every week with On This Date in History. Our date today is the 17th of March. It was on March 17th in 1846 that the German astronomer Friedrich Bessel passed away in Konigsberg, Prussia. He had been the first to measure the distance to a star other than the sun. And the method he used, of course, was parallax. And we discussed this very matter with astronomer Alan Hirschfield about his book, Parallax, The Race to Measure the Cosmos. That was back on show number 268 in July of 2007. You may want to listen to that by going to our website, radioparallax.com. We hope you do. It's a red-letter day for radio, and then it was on March 17th in 1899, when for the first time, radio was used to save lives at sea. The German ship Elba used Marconi's wireless to summon help after running aground on the Goodwin Sands off the coast of southern England. But of course, the big story for today is that it's St. Patrick's Day. It was on this date in 1762 that the first St. Patty's Day was celebrated in New York by Irish soldiers serving in the British Army. And it was, of course, with the dramatic success of Irish immigrants to the U.S. in the mid-19th century that this celebration became widespread. At this point, we're going to go out of sequence in the program and cut straight to our joke of the day. Three Englishmen were in a bar, and they spotted an Irishman off in the corner drinking. So one of these Englishmen walked over to him, tapped on the shoulder, and said, Hey, I hear your St. Patrick was a drunken loser. To which the man replied, Oh, really? Hmm, I didn't know that. Puzzled, the guy walks back to his buddies and said, I told him St. Patrick was a loser. He didn't care. Second edition remarks, well, you just don't know how to set him off. Watch and learn. So he walks over to the Irishman, taps him on the shoulder and says, Hey, I hear St. Patrick was a lying, cheating, idiotic, low-life scum. Irishman says, Huh, oh really? I didn't know that. Guy goes back to his buddies and says, You're right. He's unshakable. Third Englishman says, Boys, I'll really tick him off. Just watch. So he walks to the Irishman, taps him on the shoulder and says, I hear St. Patrick was an Englishman. Yeah, says the Irishman. That's what your buddies were trying to tell me. All right, and by way of clarification, we have to point out that St. Patrick was born on the Isle of Britain, but it came in a time before the Angles had arrived, back in like the 5th century. So he, in fact, 
was a Roman Catholic churchman from the Roman imperial province of Britannia. To quote from our web source, St. Patrick wasn't Irish. He was a Roman Briton born in the late 4th or early 5th century. His father was a deacon, and he was something of a wild child. That all ended when, as a teenager, he was kidnapped and sold into slavery by Irish raiders. He spent many years as a slave, a shepherd in the north of Ireland, until he escaped from captivity inspired by the vision of an angel. He went to the continent, became a monk, and was ordained. As a bishop, he was sent back to Ireland to preach the gospel and convert the people, and convert them he did. So if they wanted to celebrate St. Patty's Day accurately, they wouldn't use an Irish brogue. They'd walk around speaking in fake Latin, wearing a toga and sandals. So not only would there be no brogue, there'd be no leprechauns, no corned beef and cabbage. And we'd have to remind you that St. Patrick was a Roman Catholic bishop appointed by the Pope for Northern Ireland. After he was put into slavery by Irish raiders, no less. All that said, we hope you still have a good, fun St. Patty's Day. All right, for our quote of the day, we're going to go with our old pal, Will Durst, who said, even before Donald Trump's triumph on Tuesday's Republican primaries, said, Will, you know, when they said that in America anybody can grow up to be president, I'm not sure this is what they had in mind. In the same vein, our quip of the day comes from Michael Ian Black, who said, how is it that the Kids' Choice Awards are more mature than the presidential race? We don't know, Mr. Black. All right, we've got a couple of anecdotes today involving politicians. We've been sitting on this item for a month, uh, but apparently last month at the International Cannabis Business Conference in San Francisco, an unlikely champion for the decriminalization of marijuana emerged. That would be Dana Rohrbacher, Republican from Costa Mesa, who's considered a rather unlikely proponent for marijuana legalization. In his nearly 26 years in the House, he stood out as a virulent anti-communist and has been something of a tea partier. While addressing conference attendees last month and shaking hands and posing for photos, Rohrbacher said there's no political contradiction in his spending, quote, my whole life fighting communism, unquote, and recently shifting to working on ending the so-called war on drugs and supporting states' rights to marijuana. Of course, I love the quote from this event. He said, I'm not endorsing the recreational use of marijuana, and I'm not endorsing the recreational use of tequila, which some people think I drank too much of a long time ago. They're working on a ballot initiative here in California to legalize marijuana. And and isn't it a shame that we have to use the initiative process to do what the legislature won't get off their fat asses and do? I mean, there are arguments against the legalization of cannabis, generally lousy arguments. And you think the beer industry, the spirits industry, and the tobacco industry have been influencing our politicians to not go the way of marijuana? Well, we suspect so. And speaking of politicians, last week a federal judge sentenced former California State Senator Leland Yee to five years in prison after he acknowledged in a plea deal that he accepted thousands of dollars in bribes and discussed helping an undercover FBI agent buy automatic weapons from the Philippines. We would note that Senior District Court Judge Charles Breyer called the weapons allegations against Yee, a gun control advocate, unfathomable and added that it was frightening that Yee would be willing to go entirely against his public position on guns in exchange for money. A politician going against his public position for the sake of money? We're shocked! Shocked! (laughs) There's apparently gambling going on here. Now, it turns out that charges had been filed against Yee as part of an organized crime investigation in San Francisco, Chinatown. This led to charges against more than two dozen people, and also snared Raymond Shrimp Boy Chow. 
a flamboyant leader of a Chinese fraternal organization, the Gi Kung Tong. Mr. Chow has also been convicted in this matter and is going to do some time himself. We at Radio Parallax are saddened by this story for several reasons. First, of course, the betrayal of the public trust. Although this does provide an example of the justice system working to a point, but we're also saddened by the fact that as this comes to a close, we will have no excuse in the future to bring up Raymond Shrimp Boy Chow. Unless, of course, there's a prison break or something. But we enjoyed just being able to use his colorful moniker. And we hope that both these gentlemen will reform their ways. All right, and a couple of good news items. We note that not only is the President of the United States going to Cuba, the first one to do so since Calvin Coolidge made the trip in 1928, but also that the Obama administration has announced new regulations last week that will allow individuals to travel to the island on their own people-to-people trips. It'll also permit the use of U.S. dollars in more transactions and further relax restrictions on doing business. It's about time. Our Cuban friends, and we have a few, are delighted by these developments, and we just hope this can go forward as fast as possible. Of course, we would note on the local front that one of the two Republican politicians against easing restrictions on uh, Cuba, Marco Rubio, is now politically dead. That's the good news. The bad news is now that the opposition to Trump is solidifying around Ted Cruz, who, if anything, is worse than Rubio. We were talking good news, so let's stay on that. According to New Scientist magazine, urine from premature babies may help harvest stem cells, which, of course, are proving useful in rebooting worn-out kidneys. Note in the magazine, stem cells are the cellular putty from which all tissues in our body are made. They can be hard to come by. Embryos have many stem cells that change into any number of tissues, but getting them involves the destruction of embryos. Over the years, people have found other sources of stem cells at a slightly later stage in development that can develop into specific cell types. For example, a type of stem cell destined to become kidney cells can be isolated from adult urine. But babies born early could prove to be much better sources, according to researchers in Belgium. Reportedly, Elena Levtuchenko at the Catholic University at Leuven reports that she and her colleagues have isolated stem cells from the urine of premature babies born at between 31 and 36 weeks of development. This is pretty promising stuff. Just taking the urine from premature babies and extracting stem cells? Wow, it's just, that's almost too good to be true. You know, I don't want to do too much politics in today's program, but it's pretty sad that in the wake of all this brouhaha over Donald Trump, people are calling for bringing back the party bosses. Piece by Robert Samuels in the Washington Post talks about how all these open primaries are in theory. It's great, but relying entirely on the popular vote favors campaigning skills over governing skills and personality over substance. And it's made presidents out of relatively inexperienced outsider figures like Jimmy Carter and Barack Obama. Yeah, it was so much better when they picked guys like Rutherford B. Hayes and Benjamin Harrison. Anyway, let's briefly do the good, the bad, and the ugly. of the Week magazine, it was a good week last week for fans of the Indiana Jones franchise with the news that he will return in 2019 in 
Indiana Jones and the Search for the Fountain of Youth. Actually, I just made that up, but you do have to wonder. The last Indiana Jones movie was 2008's poorly received Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which followed a nearly 20-year gap in the franchise. So what they're thinking here, we don't know. It was, on the other hand, a bad week last week for hood ornaments after an Illinois woman was arrested <laughs> driving around with a 15-foot tree lodged in her car's front grill. The driver allegedly told police she didn't remember where she'd hit the tree and was charged with a DUI. And <laughs> you can actually find footage of this on YouTube, which you might want to do. It's pretty amusing. And it was an ugly week last week for the Texas Board of Education with the news that a leading candidate for a post there has now claimed that President Obama worked as a gay prostitute and that school shootings are the result of teaching evolution. Retired teacher Mary Lou Bruner has also called for a ban on Islam in America. Said Bruner, I don't intend to apologize because I still believe my statements were accurate. Well, of course she does. We uh, like to take the position on this program that if it ain't broke, you probably shouldn't try to fix it. Unfortunately, we've not been able to convey that philosophy, as far as we know, to uh, Andrew Katz. Mr. Katz is the vice president of marketing for Amsterdam-based Heineken, or in this case, specifically for Dos Equis beer. But unfortunately, Andy has decided to end the most interesting man in the world series of commercials, which began airing in 2007. We would note that during that time period, apparently the sales of this brand have tripled. But unfortunately for all of us, Mr. Katz decided, I guess that wasn't good enough. Or apparently in this case, according to their mumbo-jumbo polls, it wasn't reaching the right demographic. Apparently something about a 77-year-old gray-haired actor portraying the most interesting man in the world, they felt might not resonate with that valued 18 to 34 demographic. Which is a damn shame, frankly, because they had some of the best lines in the history of advertising. We like them so much, in fact, we're going to run through our personal favorites. We've decided that since the commercial seems to run about five of them or six of them at a given time, that, that's about right. So we're going to do that. We'll do five of our selections five different times. And what you may consider to be our tribute to the writers of the most interesting man in the world. See if you don't agree that these are some funny guys. And we assume probably gals as well. All right, five takes of the most interesting man in the world. First off, he has won trophies for his game face alone. His small talk has altered foreign policy. In museums, he is allowed to touch the art. The last time he flirted with danger, danger got clingy. And if he were to punch you in the face, you would have to fight off a strong urge to thank him. He is the most interesting man in the world. I think we need to take a short break, so let's do that. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. And when we come back, we're going to speak with author Margaret Talbot about her wonderful book, The Entertainer, Movies, Magic, and My Father's 20th Century. 